Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, normally an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. But this week, we're going to do something a little different. I had a chance to see New Mutants the movie, and I'm going to be talking about that today. So, for listeners who haven't had a chance to see the movie, I may have some spoilers, so you might want to skip this episode until after you've seen the movie. I can hardly wait to dig into it and really examine what makes it tick, my impressions, and, well, honestly, some of the problems I had with the movie. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to James Explores the New Mutants' first movie review episode. An episode I never thought I'd get to make. But guess what? Here we are. We're making it. The film's come out. I've actually got to see it. And there's a lot of reasons why I doubted whether I'd ever see this film. First off, let's talk about, you know, that. Because that's not a spoiler. It's not going to ruin it for anybody. This is just what I experienced in terms of the build-up to this film. So this movie, when it came out, uh, when it was announced, um, I was in the middle of... uh, Fox Studio Boycott, in terms of Marvel product, um, stuff that they had purchased from Marvel. So if it was X-Men related, if it was coming out from Fox, I was in the middle of a boycott. And I can't remember when that started, right around the time that the Avengers really was hitting big, right? Marvel was killing it with Avengers. Uh, Disney bought up Marvel. They put out Avengers. They put out Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what a superhero movie should be. And here's this weak, weak X-Men product coming out from Fox. And don't get me wrong, when Fox first had the rights and they created the first X-Men film, man, I was head over heels, man. Like, it was amazing. Like, I've I've come to my love of New Mutants through the X-Men. So to see them on the big screen, like, I remember opening up the old Wizards. Some of you may remember that. Maybe all of you do. Those Wizards... When we were kids, we'd flip through those, and every once in a while, almost all the time, actually, because Marvel, their big product at that time was X-Men. X-Men was everything. Every spinoff was an X-Men thing. Every crossover was X-Men. X-Men, 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 right? And boy, Wizard was looking to make money off of their books, too, right? So they would do these, what if X-Men was a movie? Who would you cast, right? And Patrick Stewart was always, always Xavier, you had just, you know, that stuff. I lived for that, man. Like, I lived for that. And so, like, seeing the X-Men on a big stream when it finally happened, when Fox bought the, the rights and they created this film, like, oh, man, I was so happy. I was so, so happy. I was so overjoyed. And my joy was somewhat... No, I mean, I, I lived with it, man. Like, I lived with it. Like, they made these dorky leather costumes, right? Like, I just... It wasn't the X-Men, but it was as good as we were going to get, I thought. You know, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine, my God. That was meant to be. Um, I love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I think he is the defining Wolverine. Uh, So uh, I was very pleased with that. But more than that, you know, like, those movies signaled that more comic book movies would be made. Like I said, we had Avengers come around, and that just, like, ruined it for me. Because it's like, Fox wasn't playing nice for with Marvel. They weren't going to team up they weren't going to do anything to work with marvel and so marvel's making these great superheroes movies these these movies that like that's how you make a superhero movie that's what you do and then you have fox over here 
they can't even do continuity. You have the first three films, you have these Wolverine spinoffs, there's some continuity there. Then you have this, like, first class stuff, and, like, it just, it never, like, meshes, it never, like, dovetails together. I mean, I'm all for melodrama, and I'm all for, like, action, like, 100%, like, Part of why I like comics is the action, and a lot of why I like the X-Men is the melodrama. The other part is that, like, these characters are outcasts, and I felt that way as a kid. So, like, I was drawn to that. Like, that was amazing for me as a child, and as a young adult, and as an adult, and still to this day. That's what brought me in. And they can't even get the continuity right. They just can't even, like... And it's not even about it being right. It's about, like, your films... Your run of films having continuity. It's about doing justice to the characters that are on the page. If you can't even manage that, like, who are the people making these films? Who are the people involved in it? Are they even interested in the characters? Right? So, like, this is the taste that's in my mouth. This is what I'm dealing with. And so it's like, boy, they're not putting out anything worth seeing. And... They're not working with Marvel, and Marvel's got this great, great run of films, and man, I wish they had the rights to it, but they're never going to have it, and so what can I do? I can boycott this, and that's that's my deal. Like That's how I'm going to do this. So I started boycotting the films, the X-related X line, anything put out by Fox that was superhero-related, I wasn't seeing it. So there's a lot. There's still, a lot. There's still quite a few. I haven't seen the Deadpools. Um, I've heard about them. I haven't seen Age of uh, Apocalypse, uh, Dark Phoenix Saga. Um, I'm sure there's others. Um, Old Man Logan I didn't see because of the boycott. I, I, I've heard good things, you know, um, for sure, um, about some of them, and really bad things about others. So, like, I haven't lost any sleep over not seeing them, to be quite honest. And then they announced... New Mutants was coming out. I'm like, oh my god, what am I going to do? I have to... <laughs> I've got a podcast about New Mutants. I love the New Mutants. Even if I didn't have the podcast, I'd, I probably didn't have it when I first found out that the movie was coming out. I think that's one of the things that inspired me to do the podcast was like, let's get to the Demon Bear Saga before they get to the Demon Bear Saga. Uh, people should know about the Demon Bear Saga and the work that Claremont and Sienkiewicz did before Fox gets their paws on it and bastardizes it or ruins it. And so, like, that was one of the goals when I started the podcast, for sure. And I, I accomplished that, and much better, and even had time to take a hiatus because this film seemed cursed. It just wasn't coming out. Uh, for so many reasons. Reshoots, uh, fights with the director and the studio like they wanted this he didn't want that and not meshing right there's all this goddamn drama so this, this movie just keeps getting delayed 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 and then then disney buys up fox studios and every movie it has and they get the rights to new mutants well now disney sees this and they're like um no we're not doing that and it's suggested that this is off-brand. This isn't part of what Disney would put out. Uh, whether, you know, this is this New Mutants film is supposed to be a horror genre, right? And from some of the stuff I've read, they wanted the blood and guts, the gore out. And they tamped down the, the scares. They wanted a PG rating for this film. Now, I've heard it suggested that... And, I, and this is one I don't think is necessarily true... Um, because we do see, uh, 
I've heard it suggested that Shane Coy Man isn't in the film because Disney didn't want that. Um, it just wouldn't have fit um, their 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 vision of what Disney is supposed to be. And I don't think that's true, and we'll get into why I don't think that's true. Um, what I think Disney altered in terms of this film was they tamped down the scare factor, they tamped down the horror. Disney is not synonymous with horror, and that genre and Disney typically don't mix. And this this film, for me, uh, not much of a horror film. Maybe thriller, maybe psychological thriller. I don't even know if you could classify it as that. I think the horror aspect of the film was much, much tamer because Disney uh, eventually took over the rights to this film. With that all said, with all the delays, with all of this, right? Like, eventually, after like three, four years of waiting, fans have a chance to see this film. And one of the things I've been noticing as I've been watching reactions and this this has to do with reviews like professional reviews people writing about the film people writing about the box office uh it's getting hammered by reviewers that it didn't bring in more cash now yes this film cost a lot to make then it's this film that disney's obligated to put out because of some contractual agreement they had with that was uh in effect with josh boone that this film According to his contract, it's been suggested, uh, it had to be released to theaters. It couldn't be direct to streaming service. I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong about this, I think Disney's happy to make whatever money they can make off of this film. I don't think it was like, man, we've got to recoup our losses. I don't, I don't think that's... Um, they've got more money than I could shake a stick at, for sure. Um, so I don't think they're concerned with oh boy, we spent this much buying Fox, and I don't know that, that we can afford to take the hit on the New Mutants film they had made. They took a hit, they took a bath, because this film, in my opinion, they don't care. They, they have no plans to release New Mutants into the, into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They maybe want the X-Men there, I don't know that they have any plans for any of these characters. If it does well, they make some money off of it. If it doesn't, they they get to test the theaters. Are fans willing to go out to the theaters? Will fans go to the movies? That's what they're testing. By releasing a film to the theaters right now, you're not going to win. You're not going to get a ma massive windfall of cash. You're not going to recoup your loss on a on a movie you made. Not, I don't believe that for a second. Like what's people are aren't, aren't going to the movie because their economic situation isn't very good. They're afraid of coronavirus. They don't want to go and sit in a theater with, you know, however many people are in a theater for two hours. Like, people aren't in the mood to go to movies, potentially. Like, that's something that studios across the country, across the world, around the world, you would think are a little concerned about. So if you can take a movie that you don't really care about, that you didn't have really a hand in its creation, if you can take a movie like that that you're con contractually obligated to release to the theaters that you had been talking about, you know, people had been believing for the longest time they're just going to put it on their streaming service. If you can take that kind of a movie and put it in the theaters to see if people are going to go to a movie in the theaters or not, 
Like, why wouldn't you? Like, that's what Disney's doing. It's so the box office, the take, you know, you, it's some money. Who cares? Like that, I honestly, that's my belief. A hundred percent my belief. You know, people that lose on this, uh, probably Boone, you know, he's probably going to lose out on this. So in other words, it's, it's not the lack of Hugh Jackman. It's not like this movie was going to do well. And I think Disney knew that. So what was my experience like? In times of Corona, I'm sure you'd probably like to know. So I was in Rapid City, South Dakota with my, my fiance and our child visiting my parents for the week. Thursday, we went to a matinee, my fiance and I, and my parents were kind enough to watch their granddaughter, which they really liked. I was unsure. I told uh, my fiance, let's play this by ear. Let's just see how this goes. If it gets crowded or if it seems uncomfortable, we're going to just leave. We paid for the tickets. No big deal. So we go. It was uh, the two of us. Two more people came behind, you know, came and sat up in the back behind us, like four or five rows up. Two rows ahead of us, another guy sat on the end of his row. You know, partway into the film, another couple came in and sat in the very front. So there was seven of us in the theater. Uh, There was really no one there. I don't know what it was like in other theaters. I was grateful there was hardly anyone in there because I was really comfortable sitting and watching this film. And I guess my advice to anyone else who's thinking about seeing this film or any other movie, you know... If you purchase your tickets ahead of time, be willing to walk out if you are not comfortable in a, in a in a enclosed theater for two hours with a whole bunch of other people that aren't, you know, once the movie starts and they're eating popcorn, they're not wearing masks. So if that's not a comfortable situation for you, be willing to walk out. Uh, be aware that's uh, something you may you may encounter. It also might not be a time that's worth seeing a movie right now. There's also, I I know some drive-ins have had success lately, so if you're in the right area, you might be able to see this movie at a drive-in too. So um, if you have a chance, I would recommend it. If you're a New Mutants fan, it's worth the watch. And we'll talk about the reasons why people have lambasted this and, you know, whether whether it's something that you're comfortable uh, negotiating or not. So much like my review of the comics, I'm going to start with our creative team and that creative team is going to consist with director, writers, and the permanent actors. Uh, that's where we're going to focus our time here. So, director, Josh Boone. And his he's also a writer on this. Um, and Nate Lee um, was also a writer on it. So, Josh Boone, he's known mostly for Fault in Our Stars. And his co-writer, uh, Nate Lee, also wrote Kidnapped. Now, Nate Lee and... Josh Boone are both hugely responsible for the finished product on this. And from everything I've read, Josh Boone had a vision and he really wanted to stick to it. The studio finessed him in certain directions and he fought back often. And I don't know the details of that and nobody's really talking at this point in terms of any of that sort of stuff. So I'm not sure what that looked like. What I can tell you is... Uh, Josh Boone is probably responsible for what you're seeing on the screen in this film, in large part. Now, our actors. We've got some really great actors, and yeah, well, let's run through them. Macy Williams, uh, she's 
popular from Game of Thrones. That's where she really made her name. And she plays Rain Sinclair Wolfbane. We have Anna Taylor-Joy. She plays Magic Ileana and is probably... I recognized her from The Witch, and I know other people know who she is from other stuff, but The Witch, it's an A24 horror film. It's pretty pretty good. And yeah, that's where I know her from. We've got Charlie Heaton. He's famous from Stranger Things, and he's been on a few other things. He plays Sam Guthrie Cannonball. We have Blue Hunt, and she's Daniel Moonstar. And I don't know what she's famous for. I know there's stuff, like I looked through her filmography. I didn't recognize any of the stuff she'd been in. So, I don't know. She's really awesome. I like her a lot. Henry Zaga, he plays Sunspot Roberto da Costa. And again... I'm not really familiar with him, but he's tied into another Josh Boone project after this. So uh, his next film that's coming out. So I don't know if that's how he got cast in this role, too. I don't know. It's a little weird. Um, and then Alice Braga. She's Cecilia Reyes, Dr. Cecilia Reyes. And I'm not sure what she was from. And then we've got some other actors that I just want to touch on. We've got uh, Reverend Craig, who's played by Haver. Uh, happy anderson and then the smiling man is voiced by marilyn marilyn manson we've got danny's father who's played by adam beach now i recognized him right away i've seen him in a number of things smoke signals wind talkers he's played jim chi and a lot of pbs dramas created off of the tony hillerman novels um so yeah he's an actor I recognized immediately, like I said. And people have been pretty hard on him. And I think we'll start with him. Uh, they didn't like how he delivered his lines. This movie's hard to pick apart because it had been altered so many times. And I don't know if this is a reshoot or what. Um, but uh, his he does deliver his lines a little odd once it's pointed out. But I didn't. Really, it didn't bother me. I like the care. I like the actor a lot. So seeing him uh, as Danny's father, that was okay by me. Reverend Craig, he's you know appears momentarily through uh, during the film uh, occasionally. Um, I yeah, uh, we all well yeah. I think we probably know who that is. He uh, in the comics is Rain Sinclair's essentially adopted father and he's really abusive he calls her a witch he tries to kill her um all that's pretty true except for that like there's not the intimate connection he's a priest that she tries yeah seeks help from and he wants her dead essentially um the smiling man way different Ileana's backstory it's not so different like it's she's this child who's probably sexually preyed upon by these what appear to be demon-like characters, you know, and I don't know if that's a representation of Limbo. Um, she says Limbo's a place she created to be safe. Uh, we know that Limbo's a place in the comics where she was kidnapped and taken by Blasco and raised, and when she returned to Earth, she was older. So, a um, little different there. Man, two of these characters, and you could argue a third, but Henry Zaga and Alice Braga... Like, these two characters, both very light-skinned, white, not representative 
at all of their comic book counterparts. Um, Henry Zaga, he is Brazilian, but he's very light-skinned. And if anybody's read these comics, the New Mutant comics, you know, Roberto da Costa is supposed to be darker-skinned Brazilian. And when Boone was pushed on this issue, when, when people questioned him about this, he said, well, he picked Henry Zaga because he was he was Brazilian, and he looked like he ha- would possibly have money, like his father would be rich. So to be rich, that that, 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 that statement alone suggests that you have to be of a certain kid, skin color, otherwise nobody will believe you that, that you have money. It's just really a really, really fucked up thing for somebody who says they're a New Mutants fan, an X-Men fan, to really be forwarding, especially when you're dealing with a character like Roberto da Costa, whose first major appearance in comics deals with, you know, skin color, and he he's being ostracized by a group of rich white kids because he's black. I mean, my goodness, that's like his first story arc in the New Mutants. So, that's odd. Elisa Braga playing Cecilia Reyes, like, she is definitely not black, and just another place where, you know, we've got a character whitewashed. Blue Hunt, I think, honestly, she's fantastic. She was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed her as Danny, Daniel Moonstar, and anybody who is a longtime listener of this podcast knows that Daniel Moonstar is my favorite of the New Mutants. Like, I, I love her character, and Blue Hunt, she killed it. Like, I really... Like, I, I thought she did such a good job in that role. Um, and it's a shame because she's, light, again, we have a lighter-skinned uh, woman playing a Native American. And that's, you know, that didn't throw me off um, as badly as, like, the other two that I've already mentioned. Like, that's much clearly, much more clearly whitewashing than those other two examples. Um, but others have mentioned, you know, that she's pretty fair-skinned for... Uh, the role of Danny, it, it didn't, you know, that one's, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not pushed one way or the other. You know, I don't think you have to really beat on this film and tear it completely apart because it's so blatant the places where it's failed. And the casting of Roberto da Costa and Celia Reyes are complete failures, complete failures. And it makes me feel guilty, you know, I've, I've, as a result of me liking this film for what we're seeing here on the screen at that, you know, in these two characters, it makes me ashamed for liking the film. Because um, I did like the film quite a bit. Um, the rest of the characters, you know, Macy Williams, she was fantastic, I thought. And Anya uh, Taylor-Joy, she she is magic as far as I'm concerned. She was great in this film. And Charlie Heaton, I, I liked him as Sam. I really did. Now, for other fans, you'll notice there's a couple characters missing. We're missing Shane Coy Man, right? She was left out. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a moment. But the other character that's left out is Amara, right? So these two characters are missing from the film. Amara being left out really doesn't bother me. It's interesting that you leave Shane Coy Man out when she's a lesbian. She's a lesbian Vietnam, Vietnamese lesbian woman. She's left out of the film, and we have a lesbian encounter occur between Daniel Moonstar and Rain Sinclair. They kiss on screen more than once. And that, I, you know, I don't know. That was, from Rain, it's a little odd. She's, you know, pretty pious, especially early on. Like, she's probably not going to be doing that. But, like, there, it, it hinted at this 
deeper connection. And there's one point in the film where we do see what appears to be a suggestion of psychic rapport between Daniel Moonstar and Rain Sinclair, which I appreciated. And so it, but it is interesting when you had a character like Shane Coyne Man readily made, you know, created within the Marvel Universe, who you could put in this, you have a, a lesbian for the film. Like, you don't have to make two other characters lesbians to have this character who's already a lesbian if you just put her in the film. That was odd to me. There's some casting choices I just, to me, they don't make a lot of sense. Um, and those big, big holes really just suggest to me how tone-deaf this movie is, how tone-deaf Josh Boone is, honestly. I, I really struggle to believe that he's really a fan of the X-Men. I mean, he doesn't seem to grasp the deeper meaning of that. And we're going to see again in this film where he struggles with character interaction. Like, he's writing these characters and he does fine. We see some really good, I think, banter between some of the characters. But then, out of the blue, Ileana makes these racist comments towards Danny, saying things like standing, calling her Standing Rock, right? Or Pocahontas. Or saying where's your daddy touch you? And making fun of uh, sexual hurt trauma so commonly found within indigenous or found uh, suffered by indigenous women. Right? And so, like, what is going on here? Like, why is this something that is targeted in the movie, like it's not even necessary. It doesn't have. You could replace any of this uh, bullying with other sorts of comments. It doesn't have to be racially instigated. And you know, the only thing I can even fathom as a reason for it is that he's one. This movie was supposed to be like in the eighties, taking place in the eighties. It was supposed to be a a time specific piece, um, from what I've read. And this is just what I've read. I don't even have... This isn't even verified, necessarily. But it was supposed to be a time-specific piece taking place in the 80s. It's supposed to be kind of like a breakfast club. If you draw on Claremont's writing, I know there's times that he gets kind of uh, local yokel in his... Some of the things that other characters say to Danny, calling her chief and stuff like that. Um, but I don't think it's ever this egregious or disgusting. And it's certainly not meant in a way that's anything other than like a nickname you'd give a friend. It doesn't make those nicknames okay, but it's certainly not attacks, verbal attacks. And again, we're like, why this? Like I've already asked it, but why this? Why these comments? Why, why go to racism? And when Josh Boone's asked at times by fans or, you know, media or in interviews he just doesn't see racism as an issue that's his statement he just doesn't think it's that big a deal so whoop de do you know that speaks to privilege one like he's a white guy of course race isn't an issue for a white man you know and i'm a white man and for me to like this film it's not that big a deal because you know i i'm blessed with white privilege i'm i get to go home and live my life and I don't have to worry about being pulled over by cops. I don't have the constant fear or the interactions with white people that other races do in this country. So that's my privilege. I can go to this film and just enjoy it for what it is and say, well, that's pretty racist, but like that doesn't affect me in my day-to-day -day life. And that's me being honest. Like, I don't know if that makes me racist. It certainly makes me want to be better. And 
this is one way I can do it. I can talk about what I saw and that it's not okay. Like that I can do. And I can talk about how, you know, where I've maybe part of the systemic racism that is affecting this country. So, you know, I guess the note for myself is once I see the problem, I can start to work on changing it. Um, as far as what Josh Boone has here, like, as much as I liked the characters and some of the banter and would like to see another movie with them, I would be okay if they didn't make another movie. And, and that's the thing, like, I just was, like, skimming through stuff. I just saw some headlines. I didn't read anything in depth. But, like, there's talk of a sequel. Um, Henry Zaga was talking about it. Like, if we're gonna do another New Mutants movie, like, we could keep some of these actors in my opinion but i don't want to see henry zaga reprise the role of roberto da costa i'm not even sure i want to see a sequel i mean there's some story lines from this film i wouldn't mind seeing played out on the big screen i wouldn't mind seeing some of these relationships continue and foster and grow but like i also don't want yeah i just don't want to see this racism perpetuated i don't want to see this whitewashing continue either um, and that's problematic to me. Yeah. But positives. Ileana is a badass. When she's not being racist, Ileana's not being a racist. Like, she is a badass. Like, man, amazing. I really loved her character in it. I love the inclusion of Lockheed. My God, the special effects are great. I love Demon Bear, man. I love it. Um, it is not the Demon Bear from the comics, for sure. Like, the style of the special effects, the look. That all fits, but it's certainly not the same story for sure. And so don't go in expecting a retelling of that. And I think they would have failed miserably had they attempted it. So I'm okay with seeing uh, some liberties taken here. You know, one of the other things we should talk about at the very end of the film, one of the whole problems I've almost forgotten, I feel uh, ashamed for almost having forgot. One of the other issues is Bob McCloud. They can't even be bothered to, to credit him and spell his name correctly like they misspelled his last name so if you watch the film pay attention for that uh mcleod who's a co-creator who designed these characters who gave us helped bring us these characters they can't even bother to get his name right um that's troubling to me and yeah it's just it's there's just so many freaking failures all around and so many problems um it really makes it a struggle for me at times to look at this and say, oh yeah, I'm okay with this. Um, because there's so many silly, silly things. And so there's silly mistakes, uh, offensive mistakes, leaving the co-creator's name misspelled in the credits. That's, that's offensive, um, in my opinion. Especially a man like Bob McLeod, who's nothing but like a man of the fans. Like he's, gosh, he's given us some beautiful artwork and he's so generous with like his interactions with fans. Um, it's really a shame to see them do that to him. Um, so yeah, I mean, these are just like the problems, the good stuff. Like I said, Ileana's a badass. that romantic connection between rain and Daniel Moonstar is, um, amazing. They, these two actor, actresses, actors, Macy Macy Williams and Blue Hunt. I mean, my God, they are fantastic together. They are fantastic, fantastic. They are perfect for that role, um, for their roles. I really believe that. I, I loved Rain Sinclair. I loved Macy Williams as Rain Sinclair. I loved the immediate connection she developed with Daniel Moonstar. All of this, this built and and really, for me, 
led to me to think there's some connection here that's deeper than anybody else's and it's that psychic rapport i really believe um i love the way they showed daniel moonstar's powers on the screen my gosh they really did a great job of her manifesting the darkest fears of the people around her and because of the setting they're in because they're in this um hospital we're really seeing like her manifest these darkest desires and fears of her her teammates or friends or these fellow mutants who are being held there and boy it is it's super effective and well done and i really like those sequences these nightmare sequences um the movie's not scary uh at all so if you're looking for a horror film gorish horror scary like that's not this is not it it is not scary at all it, it does not have any I wasn't scared at any point. Um, it is a Disney film through and through, um, but Disney does not edit out these the kiss, you know. And so to argue that Shane Coy Man's not in this film because Disney, it's not on brand with Disney. I don't. No, that's not true. Um, because we have Macy Williams and Blue Hunt kissing, and like if you're gonna not, if that wasn't part of your brand, lesbianism wasn't part of your brand. If homosexuality or exploring sexuality wasn't part of the Disney brand, then that kiss wouldn't have happened. I really believe that. And so Shane Coy Man's left out more because of the writing choices. Had nothing with, I, I don't think it had anything to do with studio. I d highly doubt uh, Boone had a script that included her. Uh, and, and either studio, Fox or Disney, said we got to cut her out. Um, that was a choice, I believe, by the writing pair and not, and not uh, the studio. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But that's just my gut instinct based on everything else we've seen. Uh, in this film. I would really encourage any fan of the New Mutants, honest to God, you should go and see this for yourself uh, or or see it when it comes out. Just know what you're getting into. Um, there is every problem that you've read throughout the three years of this movie being made, it's there. There's some editing issues. It's not smooth in every spot, you know, but, you know, what do you expect from a movie that's been delayed, 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 sold off to another company, and then delayed some more, and reshot, and then delayed again? It's not going to be smooth, and it's going to have its issues. The thing that, especially now, especially now with all the racial tension that we're seeing in this country, with all of the Black Lives Matter protests, with all of these racial issues that are coming to the fore, this movie is just coming out at a time when, wow, you cannot, you can't be any more tone deaf. And to have the director and, and writer really come out and say, well, it's just not that big a deal. I don't know why you're all worried about it. Uh, it just isn't like, that's unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. You probably have all heard, uh, after this movie was released, fans had a huge backlash. Josh Boone t disabled his social media accounts, at least his Twitter, because of that backlash. And I don't really, I'm not going to lose sleep over that for him. America's at a place where we're at a crossroads, and we're, this is something we're going to deal with. And, you know, people are going to start calling people out for this stuff. I think this is a good thing to be talking about as a society. Like, this isn't what we want to perpetuate. We don't want to perpetuate white, white-washed characters. We don't want to perpetuate unnecessary racism just because this girl doesn't like this other girl or this girl feels threatened by this other girl or whatever the reasoning be, you know? Like, it just is unnecessary. Um, so, yeah, it's going to get called out, you know? And 
especially like the racial issues, these problems, the racism, the blatant racism in this movie, the whitewashing in this movie, like that is problematic. It's problematic because this is an X-Men property. And if you know anything about the X-Men, the X-Men is a story about minority groups being uh, in some places attacked, repressed, they're feared, um, they're they're ridiculed, they're threatened and beaten and killed. This book often takes on minorities, right? That's what the X-Men's about. It's about uh, minorities in terms of race, uh, sexuality, gender identity. Like, these are some of the issues that X-Men really has the leader in, in terms of, like, issues that it's paid attention to and explored. And, you know, in a positive light, like, placing these, uh, doing so in a positive way, not in a way that's, like, often very harmful maybe i'm i'm wrong it certainly happens but usually it's about oppressed minorities and if that's what it's exploring if that's what it's representing blatant racism for no reason on the screen just because it's easy or because that's what people do towards indians like that's just not like i i you know put what you want out there but people are going to react and uh, I, I, I'll say this here and now, and I hope nobody has a problem with it. And if you do, I'm sorry, but this is my honest belief. Like cancel culture is kind of, a, I think a BS thing. Like it's, it's a way for me to, to continue to be a racist and not be challenged. Like, I'm sorry, the society that we live in, we are a group of people. And it's my belief that like a good example is right. You, uh, you're a kid in, in grade school and there's a bully. And if that bully's mean to you, like you have some options. You say mean things back, you fight back, you ignore that bully, you tell on that bully, right? There's there's a handful of things you can do to deal with that. And the idea that um well a kid shouldn't be against that bully because that's canceling his right to be a bully. Like his right to be a bully is supersedes all other rights to protect oneself and you have to be inclusive. Um, no, that's not how that works. Parents would tell their kid, well, here's the things you can do. And we would, and we'll go through each one of them and maybe one will work. Um, to a certain degree, that's how that would work. Now, uh, in terms of a racist, if, if I have a group of friends and I have a friend who's extremely racist and I talk to them about like, this is the things I don't like. And they're like, well, too bad. Like I'm going to keep being racist. Well, it's at that point, my choice, whether I want to continue to hang out with him or not. Right? Like that's my choice. And if that makes it cancel culture, well, tough shit. Like, I'm sorry. Society corrects for that stuff by like excluding people. Like that's how it works. Um, nobody's, most, I shouldn't say nobody, but most, most places, colleges or places of higher learning aren't going to pay a racist to come speak about being a racist. Like as a society, like we stopped kind of doing that. Um, we maybe slept it under the, swept it under the rug, but like it's, it's still pretty frowned upon. And the fact that anyone would say, well, you're canceling my right to be a racist, well, no, you can still be a racist. We're just not going to pay attention to you. Like, tough. Like, your qualifications don't fit what we need anymore. Like, that's that's honest to God how I look at it. And in this instance, like, go ahead, Fox. Put out a movie 
Go ahead, Disney, put out a movie. Go ahead, Josh Boone, write and direct a movie that is racist, and uh, your fans will just not go to it if they're offended by that. Like, that's okay. But you might take a bath on it. You might not get your money back. You might not uh, be treated well on social media. Like, those are things that might happen. And, you know, that's just the way it is. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, that's how society works. That's how living with a group of people works. And so that's my argument for this movie. Like, if you want to like it, that's okay. Just, you know, you might find some places you're not uh, too impressed with. If you want to go to it, I would warn you about these uh, issues. You've probably heard about them already. Um, but I, I honestly, I will say this. I honestly, honestly felt like these characters, for the most part, like I felt like the dialogue at times, I felt like the interactions between the characters, I felt like it was New Mutants. And I will say that, like, I went in with no expectations. I had zero expectations. I thought this was going to be a flaming pile of dog shit because of all the reviews I'd read. Because, of, not reviews, all the, like, information I gained from ever, just all of it. Like, I knew about the whitewashing. I knew about some of the racial issues. I knew about the problems with getting the movie released. I, I knew all that. And I just, like, this is going to be bad. And... You know, maybe that's why I like it so well. Maybe it's because it's New Mutants and I love the New Mutants. I don't know exactly what it is about this film that makes me like it. I do, like I said, I do feel like some of these characters were spot on. Some of the casting was spot on. I feel like the actors did a great job. I felt New Mutants like it was the New Mutants. I just, it felt like New Mutants to me. And, you know, I was excited to see that. And it's, it's a movie that, you know, I would encourage you, like I said before, go and see it. Give it a try. Unless, you know, some of the issues I've mentioned really bother you and you just can't, you know, that's not something you're willing to to support. Like, I understand that too. And, you you know, I support that. You know, it's your right to not see it, obviously. And my opinion shouldn't change that. But if, you know, if you want to, you should. I, I think it's worth the view. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the review. If you have any questions or comments, you know, I'd be... I do my best to try to answer them. Um, if you'd like to talk to me about it further, like I'm, I'm also up for that. You can find me on social media, obviously, and I'll give you that here in a minute. James explores the new mutants as, as always, recorded in Des Moines, Iowa, and produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are published every other Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast at Twitter at Exploring New Mutants via email at exploringthenewmutants at gmail.com. Visual companions can be found on Facebook and Instagram by searching James Explores the New Mutants. Another great way to reach the podcast is via Anchor. You can record minute-long messages that are sent directly to me. I can add them directly into our episodes and answer any questions live on the air. Otherwise, um, I can do my best to uh, answer questions via email or Twitter, whatever works best for you. Um, next week, we'll be diving into issue 52. So until then, keep reading those comics.